Today in Real Ghost Stories Online, when you have a baby that won't stop crying, it can be extremely frustrating. Wouldn't it be great if the supernatural could intervene and maybe help out a little bit? That's what happens for one woman today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Write in at realghoststoriesonline.com and support the show. Become an extra podcast person, an EPP. Go to ghostpodcast.com to do that or patreon.com slash realghoststories. Five bucks a month gets you access to all of the bonus material, advanced episodes of the show. There's bonus uh, episodes every single week. You get access to our uh, book, our ebook. Get a free uh, e-copy of that. You also get the audio book. A lot of great extras right away when you sign up at uh, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Uh, how are you this fine day? I'm good. How are you? I'm kind of grossed out. I um, I don't know why, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess, you know, totally what clickbait is, is made for when it comes <laughs> to... Um, weird things like oh this sounds interesting even if i know like well this is going to take me to a questionable site like i might get a parasite or on my computer after looking at this but um was it where they talk about somebody went in for surgery and they found like a seven foot worm or something like in there close close horrifying things found living inside people oh god that's yeah. awful yeah it, it, it's some shocking shit are we talking about this for real oh we're gonna talk about this for oh real. no we'll just sprinkle some throughout the show this is an interesting one um you, you i think i've heard of this happening before and it's like a condition that that does occur um but a, a man uh for 30 years thought he had something something wrong with his stomach he didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. it was his twin brother okay that was in him mm-hmm. it had been in him his entire life and um it was still I mean, it was, don't don't picture like baby here, but there, it whatever whatever you want to call this this part of him still alive, okay, for thirty years, like you know, feeding off of him. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't intelligent or anything; it didn't have like a functioning brain, but mm-hmm. the it had limbs. It had you know, it was identifiable as to what it was. Okay, and it went in surgery, and they that's that's what came out. And they're like, oh my god. Okay, morbid question. Yeah. When you have your twin removed from your stomach, Uh do you then have a funeral and bury it? Or what do you do? I don't know. I guess uh, because they never knew it was a twin. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't like, oh, we have twins and now, you know, one went away or something. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you do? Because I don't know. I don't know. It's It's a good question. Jar on the shelf. What's that? Put it oh in a God! Jar on the shelf. You know, I say, oh God, but people do that. You know, with um, you know, ashes. Well, and, and they do that cremated with remains, things that have been removed. You know, gallstones and stuff. Do people do that? Like 
sometimes in their house like sometimes, sometimes you'd of, be amazed what people show for entertainment to others God. did we get to keep my uh my appendix no did they, I, did they didn't offer so i didn't have to we say we don't want to take the appendix home we didn't get the offer no or did did we and he just they tried to give me my kidney me. stone though the bad one that i had removed when libby was a baby yeah 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 they were like here you want it it's like thanks i'm good <laughs> what would you what would you do with such a thing i don't know there's some other uh dandies uh in here of um things that people uh have in them that they had to have removed it's a great uh, great list for you okay <laughs> read it right before you go to bed or something no uh 855-853-4802 we'll get to more of those in just a little bit oh boy here on the program hold your hold, hold your horses uh because it's going to be exciting all right okay uh let's go to our first story it says uh hey tony and jenny i'm a longtime listener of the podcast and love listening to everyone's stories thank you for giving us this platform to share our experiences without judgment i'm finally able to share my own experiences with all of you i like to think i'm a sensitive and so it is and so is my mom my mom and i were hanging out one day chatting and telling stories and i told her a story that i'll never forget because it's special to me i told her that when i was a little girl about five or six i had a bad dream and woke up screaming and crying for her to come and comfort me but she never did I went through a phase where I was afraid to sleep alone. My parents decided to let me cry it out. An overwhelming sense of calm came over me as I felt my grandmother's presence. She was caressing my cheek and hair as if to say, I am here, don't be afraid. And I finally fell back asleep. I didn't physically see her, but felt a sensation on my skin. I should mention I never got a chance to meet my grandmother because she passed away two years before I was born, but always felt a strong connection towards her. Like I knew her and missed her. And I feel that way to this day. After telling my mom, my mom about my experience, she told me one of her own. She explained that when I was born, I was a very colicky baby. She said she was in bed listening to me cry and cry, and I wouldn't stop. She tried everything she could think of to soothe me, but to no avail. As she lay in bed with me, uh, me screaming in the background, she started talking to her mom. She said, Mom, I wish you were here to tell me what to do. And I stopped crying. This scared my mom, so she rushed into my room to find the rocking chair, rocking, and I awake, but silent. She said she always believed it was her mom comforting me. We were both in awe about our similar stories and concluded she is our guardian angel. My mom said she was the kind of woman that would do anything for anyone. I believe she's still that way. A little backstory on the house I grew up in. My parents bought our house from a couple that lost their young son. My mom said she wasn't sure how their son died, but she knew that they were still grieving little boy died in the house and it was too painful to continue living there throughout the years we've experienced a mischievous spirit that likes to play pranks on us from time to time we think it is the spirit of the little boy due to the playfulness of the pranks more on that for another day thanks for listening and letting me share my story take care i wonder if the grandmother is still around you know and if she's still their their guardian angel i think it makes sense mm -hmm. I was thinking more about the 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 latter part of the story of of the little boy. Would you and I I get what they're saying where it's it's it'd be too difficult to, to stay in the house and they kind of need to mm -hmm. have you know a new setting. But would would you be confused as a little boy though if you're playing pranks on people like why did mom and dad move? Yeah, probably. 
I, I suppose you're not really looking at it from the, the standpoint, though, at that moment as the parents of like, well, what if this ghost comes back? Should we stay here? You mm-hmm. know, but I could see like if they if, if the ghost started coming back immediately, then you'd probably want to stay, wouldn't you? I mean, it'd be like, oh, you're still here. I I don't know. It, it's a hard one to say unless you're there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. But no, I don't. I don't know that I would. No. I don't know that I would. To continue to be haunted? Yeah. I think I would have completely lost my mind between the grief and sure. everything. I think I would I'd be gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thanks for sharing the story with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. A uh, woman's mouth was impregnated by squid sperm. Okay. That's one. One happy thought to another. How does that even work? I mean, are squid able to basically impregnate themselves and then they can just, whatever they they have can latch on and grow? Or how does that even work? Because it's not like she has squid eggs, you know? <laughs> I'll let you keep trying to figure that out and I'll just be quiet over no, here. No, you tell me, tell me. Well, it says one 63-year-old woman got something else disgusting when she ate some partially cooked squid in South Korea in June of 2012. She bit into a part of the uh, delicious dish, which still had its organs intact. She felt a prickling and foreign body sensation in her mouth, and she spat it out. But she was too late. Pods of squid semen had already shot into her mouth, uh, impregnating the mucous membranes of her tongue, cheek, and gums. Doctors later removed the 12 small, white, spindle-shaped, bug-like organisms uh, that uh, were there. They uh, didn't have eyes yet or uh, little baby tentacles or anything, but still, uh, the they were developing. That's so, terrible. I guess it's kind of like, you know, eggs, you know, fish mm. eggs or something when they're, you know, they develop outside of the... Mm-hmm. And it was finding a host. Okay. Still pretty gross. But it's like you just left that unchecked for a long time and... You just start having tentacles grow up your mouth. Yeah, like that's something like it's like, like Resident Evil or something. That's gross. Uh eight five five eight five three forty eight oh two is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh next one says, Hey guys, let me start this off uh, with my entire life. I've been sensitive to hearing, seeing and feeling spirits. This is my first time writing in, but I'll have more stories for you. I'm gonna tell you about my most recent incident. It was a Saturday afternoon in the middle of October. It was a chilly day with a clear sky. I had to go to the post office to return two small packages. I live in a small town close to a military base, so it's not unusual to see men and women in uniform. Post office is on the corner. As I turned the corner to park my car, I saw two military men in the old uniform. I saw them waving to the police officer who was standing on the corner. I thought it was rude that the officer did not acknowledge these two men. Every year my town is a fall festival, so I assume that's why these two men were dressed the way they were in the old uniforms. As I walked into the post office, I asked the lady behind the counter if the fall festival was today, and she told me, I don't believe it. it's until uh, a couple weeks from now. She then asked the guy she worked with if it was today, and he also said, no, no, it's a couple weeks off. I asked if they had seen the two men in the old uniforms walking by since the front of the post office was all windows. They both replied no. So without looking like a crazy woman, I left with a smile and said, thank you guys for all the help. Have a nice day. I drove back uh, the same way I came. I was in the post office for maybe five minutes. I did not see the men again. 
I looked up and down the street. Wasn't enough time for them to go into any stores. Two guys I saw had on a gray uniform with black boots and a gray hat. They were walking side by side in what looked like a shotgun that was strapped across the body and sat on the right side hip. They looked happy, just strolling down the street. Took me back with emotions after I realized that no one that I asked had seen them. Kind of stuff does happen to me, like I said, but every time it happens, it's just like the first time all over again. Now, I understand why the officer didn't interact with him. I'm grateful that I got to see them still walking the streets of this little military loving town. You guys are awesome. I love the podcast becoming an EPP very soon. Thank you for making me feel normal. Sadie. I think that's interesting that they waved to the police officer, just like they would have when they were alive. You think they uh, knew that the police officer couldn't see them? And they're just like, ha ha, hi. I don't know. I think maybe it's just more so a person in uniform acknowledging another person in uniform. Uh And it's just something they probably would have done when they were alive. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they don't realize they're dead. That's what I I don't understand how that works, where it's like they don't realize they're dead Mm -hmm. when they're interacting with with stuff. It's like, I don't think it would take that long to figure that one out. Yeah. uh, Unless unless their interactions are completely different and they're seeing things we're not seeing. You know, we're so, you know, life continues on maybe and, and the, you know, things seem to be normal and I don't know, but when nobody's, you know, talking to you and you're being ignored everywhere, it could just be a really shitty city or yeah, <laughs> and suddenly society has changed dramatically uh, or you're dead. Mm-hmm. It's one of the two, but I don't, I don't know how that, um, I don't know how that works. It's always been kind of a, a curious thought to me of uh, that concept of they don't know they're dead. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Next one says, I was relatively young when my father and I watched the chandelier, probably eight or nine. I was living in a house that had been constructed not but 10 years ago. It was my father's house and my parents were divorced and it was very large. It had a, a single sort of winding staircase to an overhang above the foyer that was, uh, uh, railed hallway to the other rooms. To be frank, I was fascinated by ghosts, but hated large houses. Unexplainable things were both enthralling and horrible to me. Generally, if I wasn't by myself, I'd drag anybody I could along to go ghost hunting. I was convinced my father's house was haunted, even though it was so young. Now, the original owner of the house had died while still owning it. He was not inside the house, and therefore my father would try to convince me nothing was wrong. But he could not explain the odd things that constantly happened in bad fortune. The pipes breaking suddenly, our porch falling on itself. Probably the most frightening was two days after the new family who had bought our house moved in. It was struck by lightning and the entire roof caught on fire. My pregnant stepmother was upstairs to sleep. It must have been about 1030 at night and I can distinctly remember what season it was, but I believe it was warm outside. My father and I had been watching a late night television show and we're on our way to bed. As we climbed the stairs, I was telling him about the phenomenal dream I had where I was riding in a buggy and a boy pressed his face to the window. It wasn't a frightening face. On the contrary, on the contrary, quite attractive. Yet I knew somehow distinctly I knew him. Couldn't place how though. Exactly as I was telling him of the boy, I looked in the mirror and saw the electric chandelier in our dining room go on, even though my father had distinctly turned it off. 
Now, before I continue, I must explain that I hate mirrors. Every dream I've ever had with a mirror involves something frightening. By staring at my reflection and seeing something else look back at me. I avoid mirrors as much as possible. But it was odd because I had no desire to look in the mirror when I was telling the story, but I did. I soon pointed the chandelier to my father, who mused for a bit and said he just must have forgotten to turn it off. My father does not believe in ghosts. I didn't want to budge from where I was, so I asked my father to turn it off, and he obliged, and the second he took a step, the light went off. Then it went on, and then it went off, very slowly. Mind you that we could practically hear my stepmother snoring in the other room, and the three of us were the only ones in the house. My father was slightly alarmed and took another step. On cue, the lights began to flash brighter and more frequently. Now I was on the verge of screaming, so I urged him to stop this stupid magic trick. He assured me this was not his doing and began to race down the stairs. The lights began to flicker incredibly fast with each hurdle he took. On, off, on, off, on, off. I was crying and my father dashed across the foyer into the living room, but he never quite made it to the light switch. It flashed an unfathomably bright flash, more so than the setter could ever allow when it went out. My father, left in the dark, testily walked over to the light switch, which was in the off position. He flicked it on and worked like a charm. We both went to bed and said nothing about it until the next morning. My father told me a white lie, saying that the switch had been stuck in the middle, which caused it to flicker. Only later did he tell me that that was not true, and he only told me that, so I didn't have any worries. What alarms me is that the house was built over an ancient railroad track, which had been disabled probably seven decades ago, and it might have been partly because of my active imagination, but I was convinced a little girl lived in our house. Of course, my grandmother fueled my beliefs by saying she saw the same thing. Was it the little girl or just me? My father does not believe in ghosts and assures me he never will. This is one event he can never come to explain and leaves it at that. My, step my stepmother still yells about not being able to see it. and She too loves ghostly encounters. Any ideas as to what could have caused it? I, I guess it would have something to do with the railroad tracks. I think it's pretty rare when you have a, a house that new that is haunted. It usually has something to do with the ground where it's built. Mm -hmm. Even if the previous owner did pass away in not in the house, maybe he loved the house enough he was there, but it sounded like it was other things other than an old man. Yeah. Um, I, I almost do have to wonder... Um, you know, because they, they didn't, did I miss anything where did they, they didn't see the apparition or anything? They had the light happen. They had feelings and things like that. Well, somebody saw what they thought was a little girl, but okay. then they were like, well, was it her or was it mm -hmm. the ghost? I, I wonder if you have something going on there uh, in combination with uh, the house needed some serious uh, or was constructed in a very poor way. Yeah. Because they were talking about all of the other things that were going on mm -hmm. in the house, like the porch collapsing and this mm -hmm. and that. Um, obviously, you can't, you know, poor construction has nothing to do with your house getting struck by lightning. But um, that, the light, and when he moved, and, and I would imagine there's some, you know, uh, bounce to a walk that maybe that was something with the wires mm -hmm. that could have been, and I'm not trying to, to really debunk it, but... If one part of the house 
is so shitty that the porch collapses on itself and there's other problems that are just happening mm -hmm. structurally to the house, you got to assume other things are not going to be up to par either, like the electric. Right. So I wonder how much of it was just a shoddy house, um, you know, mixed with some of the other things going on. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's easy to kind of lump the whole thing into all, this is all paranormal, but I, I don't know how much of that really is when you have when you're dealing with that in a house it's easy to see how you could think that though mm -hmm. but thank you for sharing that 855-853-4802 is our number hi hi tony and jenny my name is lauren i'm from a little bit outside of st louis missouri and i have so many stories i i don't know whenever it all started like way back when i was little and it's the most bizarre thing because i you know, have sat and asked my parents so many times if, like, this was just a dream or if it was real. But whenever I was a little kid, um, my mom did hair, so she would do hair at home if she, you know, wasn't out. Um, and people would come over to our house. And there would be times that she would be like, oh, Warren, go get the door. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. So, like, as a child, I mean, I had to have been about five or six years old. Um, they... You know, I would people be and I go into the living room and I would open the door and it was so bizarre because I knew that there was a person there, but I saw it as like almost like skeletal, like almost like a corpse. And it scared me half to death. So it was the most bizarre thing because I felt almost like I was like in this um like trance like state or something like that that I only had a certain amount of time to get from the door through our living room and like cross this threshold of our house before I knew that I would be okay like I would open the door and the thing just would emit like the worst bad energy and I I to this day like it's so bizarre because I cannot distinguish if this was like all in my head or if this was real life or if I was just sensitive to something um and I mean, this continued for years and eventually it stopped and I didn't have a problem with that anymore. And um, I started noticing like, I almost like, I don't want to say that I like had these, you know, psychic things that were going on, but I would be able to, you know, say something and it would happen weeks later. Like it almost felt like, like a Twilight Zone episode or something like that because I would have extreme deja vu and my, you know, my friends would be like, Ooh, why aren't you just talking about this and look at this? It's like happening. Like it would be the most bizarre thing. So, um, I really became like very interested in, um, like psychic stuff and like the paranormal, whatever I was in my like very early, early teens. And I started having, um, this bizarre, like, it was, it was, I, you know, and I was old enough to be in my house alone and I would be home alone and I would be scared. I wouldn't leave my living room. Like I would be, it felt like someone was in the house with me watching me at all times. And it made me so uncomfortable that I had to start sleeping with a nightlight in my bedroom. And I, w I had to have been like 13 and, um, I started seeing this shadow figure and it looked like this, like tall, um, black didn't have a face figure that 
would walk and it looked, you know, and it would move very, very slowly, but it felt like it was always coming for me. And I would see it from, you know, at home, at school. Um, I went to Catholic school. I was born and raised Catholic. And I, you know, I would see it at church. And like, that's when I started to get very, very, very terrified because that I was like, okay, if this is something that's like actually real, actually evil, like I, I feel like I should not be able to see it in church. So I went and I talked to my priest about it and he told me, um, you know, that if I was not baptized, then I needed to be baptized immediately. And then he kind of just went on and was like, oh, we'll do a blessing and like, don't watch anything scary anymore and yada, yada, yada. And I, you know, it, it didn't help. And I was getting upset because I was trying to talk to people about this and express my concerns about this and no one else could see, see it. And so, um, you know, a couple weeks go by and this is still going on and I'm in my bedroom and at this point, I this is going on for months and I've been waking up at 3 a.m. for the past couple months and it got to the point where I was sleeping with a Bible in my bed, rosaries under my pillows, like prayer cards surrounding me. It was, I was terrified. So this one night in particular, I woke up um, at 3 a.m. and saw this thing in my bedroom at the foot of my bed, just staring at me. And I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. Um, I tried to remember all of my prayers. I could, I mean, and I being born and raised Catholic, like I, I know some of these prayers like the back of my hand and I could not remember any of them for the life of me. And I was terrified. I've never been so scared of anything ever in my life. So I, you know, started praying to St. Michael because I couldn't breathe. I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. And I had this vision of, um, St. Michael next to my bed and it was like my entire room like lit up and it was felt so peaceful and so um like illuminated with with peace and happiness and um like this weight had just been lifted up off of my shoulders and it felt like it lasted forever because I saw this um vision and I, I never I never ever saw it again and so uh, until a couple of years later. But that for me was like so bizarre because I, you know, had tried to tell, I mean, I think there was only one time that my brother had also seen the figure and he was much younger than me and said that he was very scared of it as well. But no one else believed us. Like they all thought I was insane. I would have absolute panic attacks and go into hysterics about seeing the same places. And my, you know, my parents would just look at me and be like, what is wrong with you? Like, what is going on? And so, um, flash forward a few years later, um, I'm in my mid twenties now and I was on a retreat doing something like leading a group of people. Cause I was always very involved with like the youth community at my church and stuff. And, um, so this had to have been in my, yeah, my, my teens, and I went on this retreat, um, and it was a good time, you know, whatever, and I came back, and uh, because I'm practicing Catholic, I, you know, I go to, you know, listen for reconciliation, and so I was having this dream, and again, this is in my, my parents' house, my childhood bedroom, and I had this dream that I was in this most, like, the most beautiful house, um, pristine white, uh, just absolutely gorgeous so peaceful and I was sitting in this like area of this house um that 
was almost like like a giant reading room. And it just, I mean, I don't want to say like I felt like it was heaven, but it seemed like to the extent of that. And so I'm sitting in this room in my dream and um, I, I guess I'm like talking to God, asking for like absolution from sin or something like that, because I kept repeating the same thing over and over in my dream and asking for forgiveness for it. And in my dream, this this house like started to crumble and I could hear screaming and just anger and anguish and like pure pure wrath and fury and like the most like I just can't even begin to describe how angry it was this thing that I was hearing um and it just got getting worse and worse and the house in my dream was shaking and I was shaking in my dream and I woke up from this and my entire bed my entire bed was shaking and I was sitting I mean I don't want to say that I like you know could have had like a leg spasm or something, but like I have never, um, never ever have experienced anything like that in my life that has, you know, led me to believe that I have <laughs> some sort of ability to kind of hone in on something that is not um, of like this natural world because I. Like, I knew it, it felt so familiar to me, uh, like, the, of what I had experienced and whatever it was that um, I kind of asked, you know, to never see again when I was a child. It felt so familiar um, to me in that moment when my bed was shaking. It was almost like I knew and this thing was, like, telling me that it was back. Um, and so ever since then, I haven't seen anything um, every once in a while, I do have an instance of, like, dreams where I see this figure thing. Um, I had a dream, actually not too long ago, uh, I recently just moved in with my fiancé, and I had this dream that I was almost, like, floating above myself, watching myself sleep, and, or just, like, awake, but my, I knew my body was asleep, and it was, it was so strange, because I could see our, our room, like, I was looking at our room, and it looked plain as day, exactly how it does in, like, my waking life, so, in this dream, I wake up at 3 a.m. to this figure, um, standing over me, strangling me, and, my fiance is sleeping next to me in my dream and I'm looking at him trying to get him awake because I, I can't breathe. And um, he is almost like this thing is keeping him asleep even though he, he is conscious of this. Like he knows in the dream that I'm being strangled and that I am um, unable to breathe, but he is being forced asleep by this entity of whatever this figure is and um I eventually woke up because um in real life like he had woken up and was trying to shake me awake because I wasn't breathing because I couldn't breathe and he said I my my gasping for breath is what woke him up um and he had been watching me and trying to get me to wake up but I like wouldn't wake up and it was so so strange so I don't know. These are just a handful of the stories that I've had. I definitely have more. 
Um, I just wanted to call in and share them with you. I would love to hear your insight because I have been binge listening to your podcast and it is so comforting to hear other people that have similar stories. So um, thank you guys for sharing this with everyone and hopefully sharing it with everyone. But keep up the good work and yeah, have a good rest of your day. Bye. You know, at first I thought it was just, it was just the parents' house because mm-hmm. it talked, you know, she talked about opening the door and seeing almost like a, a corpse there and then everything that went on in her room at night through growing up. And then it seemed to kind of taper off till this, this dream. So mm-hmm. at first I really thought, oh, well, maybe it's just centered around when she's in her parents' home. But I don't know. I, I, do you think the, the thing in the dream is separate from what she went through as a child? I don't know. What I was wondering about, you know, she said she woke up and the bed was shaking. Um, What I wonder sometimes is, do we have the ability to essentially haunt ourselves um, with our own energy, like manipulating things around us? Mm -hmm. Like if if we're giving off something so much that it caused the bed to kind of vibrate, not and and not due to her vibrating herself or Mm -hmm. shaking herself, but um, just it, it caused that. You know, manipulating other objects, manipulating things, not, you know, on, on purpose, but, you know, kind of like how they say with poltergeist activity and, and teenagers and things of that nature increasing mm-hmm. uh, with that sort of energy. How often when we're having a very intense emotion and a very intense experience um, in a dream, could that also affect what's going on around us, you know, w- without our being aware that we're affecting it? And then if you wake up and you become conscious of that, that intense energy affecting something. It certainly would look paranormal. It would certainly would look like there's something ghostly going on, but I wonder how much of that is um, just our, you know, I guess it wouldn't be paranormal because we don't really have a proof of this, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I wonder how many times we are haunting ourselves in certain ways. I've kind of wondered something similar about people with a lot of anxiety. If Mm -hmm. that, in a sense, their anxiety brings on things and it almost is the cause of what they are then anxious about. Sure. And it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. I, I just think sometimes, um, just if we, we've had so many stories of like astral projection and things like mm-hmm. that where the living are haunting the living, that we could do things to ourselves and not even really realize it, that it, it's our own energy, our own, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it's nervousness or whatnot that's uh, projecting out somewhere else um, and it's affecting things around you and you go, oh my God, that shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we think, you know, well, that must be a ghost then um, when it may just be us. Could be. I don't know. More questions than answers. But mm-hmm. thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person in EPP. You sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Five bucks a month gets you all the bonus material, advanced episodes and all that. Follow us on social media. Jenny is at Jenny Bruski on Instagram. I'm at Tony Bruski on Instagram. Until next time, for Jenny, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.